Have you ever felt like the whole world is against you? Like no matter what you do, you uh, just can't get ahead. You keep getting slapped down, put in your place, or <laughs> put in a place you don't think you deserve. Well, if you do, if you have experienced that, then you uh, kind of know what it's like to be Peter Parker, Spider-Man. And uh, I think you get the appeal of Spider-Man. And uh, I have to say um, that uh, this latest issue... That I've read and review, or that I'm going to review now, is uh, I've already used the the phrase quintessential Spider-Man in reviewing something, but I feel like this definitely uh, qualifies for that. This is MJ, and I love Spider-Man. And right now, I would like to talk about Amazing Spider-Man issue number five. Correction: This is issue number four, and it is the debut of Sandman, which was very interesting to me. So, starting off with the cover, and of course, uh, this is uh, art by Ditko, writing by Stan Lee, and I don't remember who did the lettering, uh, but starting off with the uh, cover, it's an interesting cover. I think it's kind of weird, because it's showing four panels. They are representative of what's in the story, and it's really uh, <laughs> basically just uh, some dialogue between Sandman and Spider-Man fighting. And, uh, like I said, it's representative of what was going to be happening uh, in their actual fights throughout the uh, issue. But it's, uh, it's, I don't know, it's just kind of introducing you to the threat of Sandman, uh, which I guess is important, especially because he's not an established character. But it did seem kind of funny. Uh, and then the splash page, again, is basically the same thing. So it's totally out of, uh, you know, it's what anachronistic. It's not flowing uh in actually hold on it's even worse than that looking at it more closely it's showing stuff from like the beginning of the issue and the end of the issue and it's split in the middle uh between uh you know the different scenarios uh that are found in the story and uh flint marco's body you know is the center is centered in the page and um he's spread out and it's showing the two different things so uh, it certainly looks good um, and it grabs your attention, but uh, it's just kind of funny to me that it would be um, not, <laughs> that it would be like illogical, that it's just about drawing you in, which I guess, uh, I don't know, man, I guess that's how they had to do it back in, then, back in the day. Although uh, I hear some comics reviewers complain about the modern splash pages because they're uh, like synopses, they're heavy on text and they contain a bunch of information, um, but it's not really something to draw you in visually. So I guess uh, I can I can see both sides of the argument that maybe there are two extremes there. Before I get away from the splash page, though, I do want to point out that um, like under Spider-Man's uh, leg, there's like books that seem to be falling uh, and they've been caught mid-action. There's even paper falling like by his knees and then some weird behind Marco's leg that's turning to sand. There's like a spherical thing. I don't know what that's supposed to be. Maybe that's supposed to be representative of the... Uh, nuclear blast thing that ended up turning him into Sandman um, but just kind of a <laughs> as much as uh, I find the splash page kind of distracting as I looked at it you know more closely here um, it is actually pretty cool uh, all the little details that Ditko put into it so hats off to you sir uh, before I go any further, I do want to go ahead and just say that this is an excellent ep um, issue. Uh, like I said, it's quintessential quintessential Spider-Man, and uh, I just think it was so well executed. Uh, it's probably the best of the uh, 
well, I mean, there's been Amazing Spider-Man 1, 2, and 3, and this is 4. Uh, it's the best so far of those, and it's even better than Amazing Fantasy 15. Um, so there's the review. It's great. Um, part of what makes it great is the growth and the expansion of uh, the action and what Spider-Man can do. Um, we have this great shot of him web-slinging uh, through the cities, <laughs> going into the Daily Bugle to uh, actually like prank uh, J. Jonah Jameson, but that doesn't matter because it looks, uh, really great. We get the, um, just to see him, uh, swinging around and we get to see the font for the Daily Bugle and stuff like that. And then it's really weird. Uh, Sandman is like a freak. He, he, he's actually very interesting to me because he's like, um, Mr. Fantastic, uh, as far as how he's able to manipulate his body. But if Mr. Fantastic was obviously a bad guy, and then if his body could break up and um, kind of compartmentalize. And I think that's pretty, like, a really interesting power set. Um, so we get these great images of him, uh, you know, running from the police. Um, they're trying to tackle him, and he turns his legs to sand so he can avoid them. And then he, like, becomes a sand serpent, basically. And he's able to do that because the sand is so light it can kind of float on air. Uh, I guess the the green sand that he is is very fine, and he can separate it out and just barely keep the sand uh, like wisping together so that he can propel his body and move it in all sorts of weird ways. And uh, it looks freaky, um, but it's very visually interesting. And uh, I think it's such a great, unique uh, set of abilities. Uh, or He's able to accomplish so much with that one ability. He can make his body uh, loose and uh, soft. He can also make it very hard and dense and or, you know, dense in certain areas. And uh, it's just really exciting how um, much of a threat he can be to Spider-Man, how uh, much of a threat he can be the to the police. Um, but I do find it interesting and I really appreciate it that at one point he talks, he's like having inner monologue, I think, or maybe he's talking out loud, I don't know. And he's like, oh, I've got to, you know, find a place to hole up and rest because, you know, I'm getting tired from, you know, turning myself into sand all the time. And I really love that tension that as powerful as he is, as amazing as his abilities are, um, you know, he's still partly human <laughs> and uh, he can become fatigued and he needs to uh, to rest in order to continue to do things. I mean, just like Peter, there's limits to what these guys can do and that's a lot of fun and really it raises the stakes and makes things more interesting uh one thing i kind of have to um give a little i don't know who does so i don't know if the letters do the uh word balloons and the thought balloons or not but um <clears throat> there's this one panel where spider-man is fighting sandman in the school and flash is there liz is there and then i don't know the other students but you know they're featured and they're like right behind Spider-Man and he's thinking something. He's saying like, oh, I wonder if they'd be cheering if they knew, you know, Puny Parker was, you know, actually Spider-Man and fighting this guy. And it really looked to me, especially because of how excited Flash is and he's smiling and the way that the bubbles go, that it was Flash who was having that thought. And I was thinking, wait a minute, does, does Flash know? He can't know because that's, you know, he doesn't know. That's, you know, part of the part of the shtick between the two of them and what makes, uh, you know, the dynamics between Flash and Spider-Man and Peter um, so interesting. And uh, so, I mean, I'll, I'll throw a little shade at um, whoever did that. I don't know, again, I don't know if Ditko throws the word bubbles in there or those bubbles in there or if it's um, somebody else. And, like, 
if it's somebody else, does that mean he does all the art and then they choose to, they, back in the day, they had to choose to cover up the artwork with the balloons? Because that, um, like, I wonder how they would even accomplish that. Would they, like, paint white out over it to, to make that happen? And then would they do edge it in black? Or I'm really fascinated in the, um, the process of how comics were actually manufactured. And I'd like to uh, look into that some, at, at some point. Uh, Comic Troops had a really cool video where he talked about lettering, and he showed uh, lettering tools, like stencils, um, and that was pretty neat. Anyway, I'll continue to be critical for a little bit. Um, (laughs) There's this uh, thing towards the end of the comic where uh, Peter's pulling the the camera off of his belt, which I love that it's built in there and that he has that and stuff. Um, But the way Ditko drew his legs, uh, like, I don't know if he's doing some bad foreshortening or what, but like one of his thighs is, well, they're, they're both malformed basically, but I kind of think he was just trying to squeeze them into the panel. And I think he, it would have been better if he had let the, his Peter's left thigh, uh, like go out of frame or, or touch, uh, the panel or go into the gutter or whatever. Um, just cause it looks so scrawny and so thin. Um, like it just doesn't match and it looks really bad. Uh, and again, I don't know how rushed this was, but then he's like got all this detail on his hands with the webbing and even, um, you know, going up on his torso with the webbing. And it's just funny that you have these great details, um, you know, in this up close shot and then his legs really nasty. And then you've got amazing shots like, uh, the one where he jumps in, surprises Marco and decks him. Um, cause previously when they had fought, uh, you know, because Marco knew that they were fighting, he just made his body hard, and um, then <laughs> uh, Sandman ends up going into Peter's school, which is, you know, of course, <laughs> and uh, Peter hears it, hears it all, and then he's able to, you know, he's wearing a suit under his clothes, so he changes real quick, and then he jumps into the room, uh, and of course he's got, you know, super strength and speed, so he's able to... Uh, surprise Marco and punch him. And it's really cool the way that Dicko did the, uh, the speed lines. It looks like he like leapt into the room, crouched, and then, um, like flung himself as hard as he could at Marco. Uh, and he just like really decks him. Um, it was pretty cool. I, I like to imagine based on that and having, uh, you know, read all the, the little details about their previous fight that maybe, Marco realized what was going on and he hardened himself as much as he could in the moments, in the seconds before, um, Spider-Man hit him. Cause, uh, like it should have knocked his head off if, you know, well, I, I don't know how spider, how strong they thought Spider-Man was at this time, but you know, in, in amazing fantasy 15, he easily crushes a pipe with his hand and, you know, he tears the door off of the, um, the command helicopter and stuff like that. So he's obviously very strong. So I'm going to say that Marco or Sandman was, uh, like hardening himself, uh, so that he could, you know, not get hurt, but just Spider-Man hit him so damn hard that it, it knocked him out. And, uh, gosh, that was a great, <laughs> great little scene there. And it just, like I said, the art is fantastic. So there's a couple tangents story-wise that I want to discuss real quick. And one of them is that the principal, I can't remember his name now. I, I took note of it earlier, but it's been a long, long day. Uh, anyway, uh, the principal stands up Marco's in the high school and he's demanding that he get a diploma and he's like, Hey, uh, you know, principal, uh, you know, you better give me a diploma cause I'm, you know, Sandman and I'm all powerful and I can get whatever I want. I've been robbing banks. I've been doing all this stuff. 
And uh, like, I never finished high school, but now I want my diploma. Give me one. And uh, the principal's like, no, I'm not going to give you one. I'm an educator. I take things, these things seriously. And uh, I will not do that. And then things escalate. And um, basically the principal is like, hey, these students, their safety and their education are both my responsibility as the head of this school, as the principal. And I will not allow you to harm them. And he stands up to this guy. He stands up to this known supervillain. And Sandman already has this reputation as this nigh unstoppable uh, burglar. Are you a burglar? If you, don't burglars sneak in? He'd be a robber. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, but they know, people know how tough this guy is. And the police have gone after him. And... Uh, Anyway, so it was really cool that the principal was, like, that brave. And even the kids are like, man, this principal rocks. Like, they're like, oh, what a swell guy. I can't remember what they said specifically, but some of them are like, man, this guy's really cool. And I was really impressed by that, too. Um, like, that that's interesting. That shows a lot of character, obviously. Um, and, you know, it's fictional, but I just thought, like, man, this principal is so much better than, like, uh, you know, the losers we got in uh, Far From Home or Homecoming, even. Uh, this is kind of interesting and it's a different tone. It was a different time. Um, but I appreciated seeing like such a noble, courageous, uh, outstanding, um, you know, stand up kind of guy, heroic, you know, civilian citizen, uh, in the issue. And, uh, that's pretty cool. And I, I think actually, um, the two of them talking and having words and the principal trying to defend the students and, you know, but also standing on principle and not just saying like, yeah, I'm here. I'll sign a diploma for you and get out of here. Leave us alone. Uh, which I think there's some merit to that concept too, but I think their confrontation ended up giving uh, Peter the opportunity to change into his costume and then, you know, deck, uh, <laughs> deck Sandman. Um, another thing is, I thought this was really weird that somehow the news media or the news uh, knew all about Flint Marco and how he became Sandman, that he was at this, uh, you know, nuclear site and that you know an explosion went off and then he you know got blasted by it but he was on the beach and somehow he got you know you know melted with the sand and uh i appreciated seeing all that stuff but it was really weird like i guess the framing device that ditko and lee picked was yeah yeah you know peter's home and he has to pretend he's sick for aunt may's sake um so uh you know he uh he's gonna have uh, you know, the opportunity to hear this stuff or, you know, get Sandman's backstory. Uh, and it was just weird. I don't know. I, uh, I didn't like it in the moment, but I just kind of went along with it and, uh, it was fine. It was interesting uh, how they framed it. I really like in Spider-Man 3 how sympathetic, uh, he, of a character he gets to be, but you know, you can't have everything and, uh, I'll be interested to see if some of those things get added to his character later on. Uh, in you know further appearances, but he's like a a roughneck. He's he's a tough guy. He's mean. He's a jerk. Uh, you know, very villainous, very selfish. Um, in this appearance, and uh, like I said, it'll be interesting to see if he has any nuance uh, going forward. Uh, but I can definitely see why he is uh, such a formidable character. I'm pretty sure he's part of the Sinister Six at some point, uh, and it makes sense because I mean, thinking about his abilities and how flexible he is and all the things he's able to do. Uh, definitely give uh, Spider-Man a run for his money. Anyway, so back to um, this being quintessential Spider-Man. Uh, the things that were really interesting to me were like how 
Well, I, the fights, the fight was very creative and it, it kept evolving and changing. And like the two of them, you know, Sandman and Spider-Man were using all these different tactics against each other. And then uh, finally, um, Peter actually used, or Spider-Man actually used uh, trickery and his uh, cleverness, his clever mind to defeat Marco, uh, which was really cool to see. And then he like does this fake news thing where he basically, after he's defeated him, he sets up a shot for himself to, um, be, uh, faking, uh, anyway, he ends up faking footage of Spider-Man fighting Sandman by throwing sand up in the air and then, like, pretending to fight it and stuff, which is weird, and I can't remember now if Jameson, uh, paid for it or not, I kind of don't think he did, which, uh, kind of makes me happy, because, you know, that's more financial problems for him, um, and, uh, I don't know, interesting stuff, like, he was wanting to make money, and he went in for an advance, um, so that he could, you know, experiment with his webbing, because he wanted to try to see if he could modify his webbing to help him, uh, use that to beat, uh, Sandman, but, you know, it didn't work out, uh, but then there was other little things that were really interesting that go to the, you know, uh, it being such a Spider-Man story, um, you know, Spider-Man, uh, makes life difficult for Peter Parker, um, he has an opportunity to go out and date with Liz Allen and he ruins that. And, um, then he, you know, he thinks he fixed it and then it turns out he didn't and she's still mad at him and stuff. And like at the end of the issue, he's questioning why he's going to continue being Spider-Man, but he decides he has to because, you know, he can do so much good. And, uh, it was just, you know, it was beautiful. It was kind of touching. Um, but if I, the thing I loved about it the most actually was uh, Lee's words uh, paired so well with Ditko's art. And again, it felt um, the art at the in the last panel I'm thinking about uh, where he's questioning things, but then like finds the resolve to keep with it and to keep acting as a hero. Um, it feels <clears throat> like a representative. It's it's very uh, it's very much not realistic. It's very expressive. Like it's almost. Uh, like, the core thing, like, Peter standing there in his room is the only thing I t- can take 100% literally, and then everything else is just, like, an expression or an interpretation of how he's feeling, and the way it's framed is, like, uh, just symbolic of the struggle that he's going through, uh, like, who, you know, what his identity is, and whether or not he should keep doing what he's doing, and gosh, that was really cool, um, but, <laughs> I mean... One last thing, and I should have said this before, but I'll kind of close with this. Uh, at some point, he has to, his mask gets torn, and he has this whole, like, little fantasy, like a half page or maybe even a full page, like, fantasizing what would happen if, uh, you know, he was found out, and, um, you know, because his mask is torn. And uh, that was interesting, but then he ends up going home and sewing it, uh, and some hijinks happens with Ant Man. It's pretty funny, actually. Um, but then uh, as soon as she's away, he uh, we get to see him uh, sewing the mask back up. And uh, he keeps poking himself. And he's like, oh, I'm such a crummy sewer. I'm no seamstress, whatever. And just like all those little touches that really humanize him. Like if I had to sew a mask up, I would be screwed. You know, especially if my you know, life depended on it, so to speak. Uh, I, I would get it done. I'd probably, you know, poke myself. Just all those troubles that he has are really just... Ah, they make you feel for the guy, and they make you uh, commiserate with him, and I think that's, uh, I don't know, a great thing about Spider-Man for me. Anyway, this is going on too long. I'm going to go ahead and stop. Uh, thanks for sticking with me. Check out mgwinners.com for more of my work. 
I'm an aspiring author who will gladly accept your financial support through coffee, or you can buy merch from my Redbubble store. Swinging Through Comics can be found on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and mgmunios.com slash STC. Relevant links are in the show notes. If you had a good time, like and share this. Subscribe ring that bell to catch me next time I'm Swinging Through Comics.